Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Dog and Duck Show. It is the Pac-12 Championship Game Week, and with me is one of the greatest Husky football legends of all time, a friend of mine, Greg Lewis. Greg, thank you so much for joining us. We are really glad to have you on this special episode of the show. Well, it's my pleasure being here, and especially uh, because it means we're playing for another week, going down to Las Vegas and playing in the Pac-12 Championship, and it's been a fun ride, so I'm excited to be here, and thank you guys for having me. Well, Greg, I listen to the Husky Honks uh, every game day, every Tuesday night. I know you'll be recording another episode uh, tomorrow night, but thank you for taking time out of this. And for those of you guys that don't know Greg Lewis, maybe if you were born after 1991, uh, Greg Lewis is the first winner of the Doak Walker Award. Uh, awarded to the best college football running back in 1990. Uh, that was an incredible year, incredible season. And uh, the co-host of the Husky Honks. And just like I said, a, a Husky legend. When you talk about all-time great players at the University of Washington, uh, Greg is always in that conversation. But Greg, you've been following this season very closely because of your media coverage so let's talk a little bit about what it has taken for this team to go 12 and up. And like I said, you know, I know that uh, I listen to you every week on Husky Honks. I know that you talk a lot about what happened in 1990. Walk <laughs> us through what it was like, you know, with that brutal loss to UCLA and just, you know, thinking about, the Huskies went into this game 11 and 0 against a 5 and 6 Washington State team. On paper, of course the Huskies were supposed to win. But things don't always go according to plan. Maybe kind of just talk about what that was like for you in 1990 and then the pressure that that these guys have been feeling the last several weeks of the season. Yeah, let me go on record by saying that at the beginning of the year, acknowledging that most of the guys who had a chance to go pro came back for one reason, and that was to compete for a national championship. And that uh, was a goal that they all had. And, you know, being where they are now gives them that opportunity to do that. But I said from the beginning, the odds that they're going to go undefeated are very, very, very slim because in modern Husky football history, it's only happened one time, and that was 32 years ago. So the odds say that they're not going to go undefeated. And I, for one, believe that somewhere along the line, they would stub their toe. Great football team coming off of last year's two losses where they could have won those two games and, in essence, had an opportunity to be uh, undefeated last year knowing that that's usually what happens. There is a stubbing of the toes somewhere along the lines. And for these guys to make it to this point is unbelievable. Just let's just talk about that. Hasn't happened since yeah. 19, 1991. Uh, it's been 32 years. No one since the PAC 12 has had 12 teams in the conference. Has anyone gone through the conference undefeated? This really happens folks. And I think it's what 19, 20 games in a row uh, that they've won. Only Georgia has a streak that long uh, currently in college football. So the odds that they've overcome are, are just numerous. 
So this is a real crazy, crazy statistic that they've done this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, liken it to back in 1991, where we had an early season stumble against Colorado that shouldn't have happened. Um, you know, there's two guys, and I tease Mario all the time, him and Curtis Gaspar both dropped touchdowns in the end zone on the last series of the game that would have yeah. given us the win. But then to win, roll off win after win after win, be undefeated in the conference, and we got to that UCLA uh, game. And, you know, my injury in the first quarter of that game and not being able to play obviously had a big impact on that game. Mm -hmm. But that's what happens in football. People get hurt. So yeah. these guys have overcome injuries to Jalen McMillan. They've mm -hmm. overcome injuries uh, to uh, all of our defensive backs, seems like, besides yeah. Mar Muhammad at some point or other. Um, ha having the season-ending injury to our center, our starting center earlier in the year, multiple offensive linemen being down, those things happen in football, and that's the reason why people don't typically go undefeated. And they've overcome all those odds. They played yeah. an Oregon team that looks like right now maybe one of the best teams, if not the best team in the country. They play on a high level. Beat them beat an Oregon State team that at home was undefeated over the last two years, beat them, and then got involved in the Apple Cup in your traditional rival, a team who wanted to beat you regardless of all of the regular things, but there's some animus between you know uh, them and the conference and us in particular about their plight and not having a conference home, uh, them being extremely motivated to beat you and to take you out of a chance for the national championship and to take you out of an undefeated season. When your rival has that much motivation, yeah. it's hard to beat them. And regardless of the fact that they hung in there, they played us well. And I'm not taking anything away from Washington State. That game was close because they played well. Had really not a whole lot about us not playing well. Yes, there's some passes that we, you know, perhaps didn't make the connection on that we would have liked to. But they played an excellent football game. Their DBs played our receivers better than anyone. And to still come out with a way to win at the end, regardless mm -hmm. of a sack on third down that made it a tough, tough field goal. Yeah. And to still make that, you almost start to think, is this a team somewhat of destiny? And you hear that in sports sometimes. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? Everybody may have their interpretation of what that means. But it just seems like this team has a um, – winning attitude, a winning mantra, and a we're not going to allow anything to distract us and deter us from our course. And uh, hopefully that continues. Uh, winning a national championship these days is a little tougher because you got to go and play a conference championship, which didn't exist back when I was playing. Yeah. So there's an extra game. There's playoffs where there's an, uh, two more games, just a, a, another, well, I guess two based on the, the conference championship to even get to that championship game and then to win that game against another team who's probably going to be undefeated and unblemished. So this is a miraculous almost season. It is uh, a one for the ages. And if you're a Husky fan and you're not enjoying this at the utmost, you know, I don't know what to tell you. This has been just as you can tell, my long answer to your question, this has just been a treat and an enjoyment for me to be a part of. No, absolutely. And you you hit the nail on the head. You, If you're a Husky fan here today, you have got to cherish this, enjoy it. Yes. We have some of the all-time great Huskies playing right now. And right. we will look back on these guys 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, and say, remember when, you know, Michael Penix threw that touchdown 
against Oregon in the fourth quarter to to Rome Odunze to win the game. Remember those 50-50 balls that Odunze came down with time and time and time again. Remember Dylan Johnson in the 256 game against USC. Those are games, those are moments and memories that we will remember as Husky fans for the rest of our lives. And we find ourselves, Greg, at 12-0, and 0, heading into the Pac-12 championship game, facing an 11-1 Oregon team that we've already beaten once this year, beaten two times in a row now, and yet we're going into this game on Friday night as a nine-point underdog. No. What, what? You know, like if you're if you're a Husky football player right now, like if you're on the team, what are you thinking, feeling like where's your mind at as you go into this game on Friday night? Are are you afraid of these big, bad ducks or are you just as angry as a hornet ready to show the the world uh, that they've got this whole thing wrong? Yeah, uh, there's a couple of emotions I think that they're going through. One, they're definitely not afraid of the Oregon Ducks. Absolutely not. I think this team knows and understands that they can play with anybody in the country and that regardless of what the score is and what the final numbers uh, and tallies are, they're going to be in every football game because they're a talented program. And they've been in the trenches and in a last-minute shootout with this same Oregon Duck team you know, just six, six, seven weeks ago. And so they know what to expect. There are no secrets. These yeah. teams know each other well. They know what to expect. And it really comes down to a matter of execution. And as a football player, you know, you always bet on yourself when it comes to executing and knowing that I've gotten this job done time and time again, and I'm going to do what I need to do and figure out what I need to figure out in the moment, in the game, come this Friday against the Oregon Ducks. There is somewhat, I think, also a, you know, the world doesn't believe in us, us against all the naysayers. Um, and, and I think in sports, you know, we're all motivated in different ways and you have to be motivated internally. And then there's external things that you might leverage as well, especially from the coach's standpoint. And where that helps is during the preparation. You hope that because we're the underdogs, because Oregon's been on a tear that they have everybody's full attention and that everybody is focused and zeroed in on the task at hand, that they're not, um, you know, thinking about all the external things and not, you know, focused on distractions and worried about those things. They know this team's got our full attention. And if we're yeah. going to win, we got to, you know, prepare like we're, we've never prepared before. And then once the game starts, it comes down to you beating a man across from you on a Mm -hmm. a play-by-play basis. You know, as a running back, if I get the football, I got to break a tackle when I need to break a tackle. I got to make the right cut, you know, when I I get the football and I'm reading my lanes. Uh, If I have to pass protect and that guy blitzes, I got to win. I got to defeat him on that play to give my quarterback enough time to execute and throw the ball down the field. Uh, And if I'm a receiver, I got to beat my guy or I got to get up and get that 50-50 ball. So it comes down to that. But I think all these extraneous things can really help our guys focus on this task and really be prepared to play on Friday. Absolutely. And and this is a rare occurrence. It's not very often in college football that a team plays its arch rival twice in the same season. Yeah. 
Sometimes we see it in the SEC and championship games, but we haven't had that many opportunities here on the West Coast. So the Huskies had a game plan when they went in to face the Ducks at home uh, this, you know, October 14th. And, you know, they won the game with just the right amount of passing, the right amount of running, the right amount of special teams. And let's be honest, we we caught a break with a missed field goal at the end of the game. So as you think about this upcoming game on Friday, the way that both these teams have trended over the last six weeks, do you see the Huskies changing their game plan going in against the Ducks on Friday night? Not really. And the, uh, what I mean is, is that these teams know each other extremely well. I mean, the personnel over the last two years is pretty much the same. And both teams have seen, you know, the best of each other. I think the three, the twi two teams we played so far, you've gotten the best out of both teams. And, you know, unfortunately, both Knicks got banged up near the end of the game down in Oregon last year. And so they looked at that as why they weren't able to pull it out. And then this year, uh, an over-aggressive coach might have went for it on fourth down a time too many. Um, yeah, they missed a field goal. But the reality is, is if they were capable of stopping a two-play drive, uh, mm -hmm. where we threw the ball down the field uh, with precision and winning one-on-one -on -one battles, the offensive line, giving our quarterback the time. That's really what won that football game. It came down yeah. to executing and execution. And that's what this game is going to come down to. So I don't see either team changing a lot of what they do. It comes down to executing and coaches have to execute too. They have to make the right call at that moment. They're not coming up with new plays that they haven't run before and that aren't tried and true. They have to know at the time what play to call or what decision to make. That's where they execute. The players execute on the field. And again, um, at the end of the game, if I'm the right guard, I have to make sure that I defeat my man so that he's not able to penetrate in the backfield to give Penix enough time. If I'm Penix, I have to make a good throw. If I'm a receiver, I got to run a good route, make the catch, secure the ball, get upfield and defeat the defensive back. So in my mind, this really comes down to one thing and one thing only, and that's execution. There aren't going to be a whole lot of new plays. You know, maybe there's a, a, a you know, the um the reverse, the, the, the fake handoff reverse that we ran to get yeah. first down against uh, Washington State the other day. Great play, you know, uh, fantastic, something new. That was one. The, the the other sort of trick play we tried to run didn't go for much. So it's not going to be a bunch of new plays and a bunch of new calls and things like that that decide this game. It's really going to come down to who executes better uh, on the coaching staffs and who execute better on the playing field. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, when I think about this current era of Husky football, of course, it's it's the Kalen DeBoer and Michael Penix era. You know, and and the Kalen DeBoer era will continue, mm -hmm. hopefully for years to come. But the Michael Penix era is only a couple games more, maybe mm -hmm. three at the most. And so when you think about the Penix era, you know, Penix came on last year, and it was fireworks from the beginning. And we we, we were seeing guys wide open. It seemed like whoever Penix wanted to throw it to there was a guy that was five yards open and nobody was getting to him, but our defense was really struggling at last season, especially the first half to tackle mm -hmm. anybody. Then we got all the injuries 
That Arizona game was just a barn burner last year against Jaden Delora, and we pulled it out. Uh, but as the season went on, we we saw that defense, you know, slowly improve. The running game began to become more of a factor with Wayne Talapapa last year, and now we're kind of seeing that same pattern repeat itself this year. The beginning of the season with Michigan State and and Cal, you know, lots of passing, lots of big numbers. But over the last six games, we've seen this team win in, in, in different ways with a strong running game with Dylan Johnson and a defense that has had a couple of moments where they've, you know, let things get out of hand. But for the most part, they've played really well. They've kept teams under their, their you know, year-long scoring average. And particularly in the fourth quarter, they've really clamped down to keep teams from, from scoring. So as you think about like the, this kind of progression that we've seen throughout the season, do you expect that this, this offense is going to come in on Friday and really try to light it up through the air? Or are they going to try to be more, of a, you know, ground and pound team like we've seen, because it's an interesting thing. You know, we, we know that there was some sickness. We know that uh, there, there was two rain games over the last six weeks. Um, you know, maybe we know that Jalen McMillan has been out for most of the, 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 the year, but going into Friday night, Greg, we've got as close to a healthy J Mac as we're going to get. We're indoors on turf, you know, everybody should be ready to go. Giles Jackson's going to be there. J Mac, Rome, Jalen Polk. What do you think you're, we're going to see from this Husky offense on Friday night? Let me add one person to your mix of eras. Uh, the, the Ryan Grubb era as yes. well, along with, with uh, DeBoer and well uh, Penix that you mentioned. And he's been a huge part of why this offense has been so successful. Yeah. Um, I think his ability uh, to play call and to desi design plays, um, his motivation for the offense, you know, he he told us that his first year he put 41 on the board as the number of points per game he wanted mm -hmm. to average and, you know, how they came close but didn't quite get there. So he thought coming into this year he would put up a new goal. He hasn't told us exactly what it is. Um, but he'd done that as well. Uh, so he's as much responsible, I think, as the other yeah. two in the evolution of this offense and how it's gone. But you've, you've kind of, you know, described it really well on sort of how things have, you know, gone with the offense and the defense. We've seen the growth. We've seen the, mm -hmm. you know, things that were going really well that kind of have been a struggle. And then the emergence of the run game and how it's gone during the season and gets along. I think, that's part of sports too, you know, um, all the success that we had throwing the ball around teams are going to continue to study film. They're yeah. going to continue to, you know, try to diagram and scheme to stop you um, and to make sure that the things that you do well, they try to take away from you and make you adjust and adapt and make you do something else. And the more and more they see it, the more they're able to, you know, figure it out a little bit. You know, mm -hmm. and then it comes back down to and I know I, I hate to keep sounding like a broken record, but then it comes back to, you know, the execution yeah. of things, you know, when the scheme is not as 
unstoppable as it once had been. And you're right, Dylan Johnson has become more and more important to this offense down the stretch. I think, though, the injury to J-Mac is bigger than what it might seem on paper, just being one guy who's being hurt and, and not able to play. Because I think the thing, reason we were really – when we were really rolling on all cylinders, you had a guy on the outside – named Roma Dunze, who can work the outside the hash and outside the number routes and the downfield routes so well and win those 50-50s. You had Jalen Polk, who just made spectacular catch after spectacular catch, hard catches, mm-hmm. who, and, and, and I'll kind of stop and focus on him for just a minute. Jalen, for whatever reason, not playing as well as he has been. He, he just yeah. isn't. I mean, yeah. he's had multiple last drops two games. Yeah, last, yeah. About I think it's been nine quarters since he's caught a pass, and mm. that's unusual for a guy who's a, right on the pe- prefaces of being a thousand yard receiver, and yeah. to all of a sudden drop, you know, six passes or so in a row, not yeah. make a catch in nine quarters, and then not having J Mac, who, if you watch the way the Huskies going back to Rome being on the outside, Jalen making spectacular catches down the field, J Mac was your guy who worked the middle of the field. Mm-hmm. He was the who worked all the underneath routes who run your digs and your comebacks and your hitches uh and your your uh short uh post routes right in the middle of the field uh yeah. to really impact your defense so they had to pick their poison are they going to play these two guys deep with safety help over the top leave the middle open let j mac go to work or are they going to bring a safety down you know maybe one high safety who's trying to work both sides with Polk on one side and yeah. Rome on the other side going deep. It was pick your poison. Oh, yeah. and guess what? If you tried to work, run any kind of funky schemes where you sent an extra safety and a linebacker with McMillan, then you got your tight end coming across, mm-hmm. you know, on a clearing route and catching the ball. I mean, it was, what are you going to do? And with, with Jalen McMillan out and Polk not necessarily playing as well, it's put a lot of the pressure on um, Penix to J-Mac. And Jeremy yeah. Bernard, I think Jeremy Bernard is our best receiver running after the catch. Yeah. When he catches the ball, he does a great job running the ball, but he's not nuanced as well in this offense yet in the route running, the route tree, and having an impact on the safety play, especially as mm-hmm. J-Mac has had uh, for this team underneath. And so not quite getting as much. Uh, I, I think um, Giles Jackson, you know, being a shorter wide receiver, you know, he's got some speed and some explosiveness, but again, not putting as much pressure on his secondary uh, as J-Mac had and as Pope does when he's playing at his best. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of things, I think, going in there. And, you know, there's a lot of speculation that our quarterback mm-hmm. is not 100%. And, you know, two years, just, just think about this. The young man had four season-ending injuries before coming to Washington. Mm. And now he's gone through two full seasons Mm -hmm. and plus bowl game and now a Pac-12 championship and played every single snap, every single game, you know, other than some garbage time stuff. And he's got to be banged up, beat up, you know, sore. You know, there's probably some things wrong with him that Mm -hmm. aren't allowing him to be 100% with all those things kind of working together and defense is kind of figuring you out a little bit. It it doesn't allow the offense to be that, like you you described, three guys running around, wide open, have your pick. And so we've had to evolve and win different ways. Yeah, The Huskies 
done that to their credit. They played better defense. The defense has stepped up tremendously. Second half of football games, you know, they have made all the critical plays the, the, to get out of downs, to get out of drives when they absolutely had to. And then um, the offense has adapted as well. If you're going to run two high safeties and, you know, put the linebackers a little wider and maybe even change your personnel a little bit, then we're going to have to run the football. You know, you're yeah. giving us running looks. We're going to take running plays. And so that there becomes Dylan Johnson becoming a bigger factor. And mm. it slows down a little bit, but it doesn't make it less effective in the sense that when we're running the football, we're taking more time off the clock. The other team's offense is not on the field as much. So mm. therefore, our defense gets more rest. Our defense yeah. plays a little better. They have to face the offense a few less series through the game. So it all works together. And it all, yeah. at the end of the day, comes out to guess what 12 and 0. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, and I think you're you made a great point there at the end about the the time of possession, you know, that's such a, a an important factor at the end of the season with guys banged up, tired, not having as much juice maybe, you know, to to mix in that running game and yeah. to give the defense a little bit of time to kind of get get a breather and and get ready to come back out and face a dangerous Oregon team. So uh, Greg, this is the the dog and duck show, and it's just two dogs on this sh on this show right now. But you know, when you think about what this season means, you know, you've got a twelve and zero Husky team that knows that you know if they win this game, they're going to the college football playoffs. I think you've got an eleven one Oregon Duck team that believes that if they win this game, they're going mm -hmm. to the college football playoffs. So every goal that both these teams set out at the beginning of the season is, is entirely within their grasp in this game right. on Friday night. So, you know, I want you just to kind of unpack for, for us, mm -hmm. what does a win mean for this program, for the university of Washington? And what does a loss mean? You know, uh, is the season uh, a failure if we lose? If the Huskies win, what does this what does this season mean? Well, let me start off with the the positive with the win. With the win, as you you know articulated, um, the Huskies will get into the national playoff, and most likely they'll probably be in a number three or maybe even number two slot, um, which would be. Fantastic, because that would put them in the Rose Bowl. So they're not traveling all the way across the country and they're staying out of the crosshairs of the Georgia Bulldogs. Yes. And an opportunity to look at facing, you know, a team uh, like maybe Florida State, if they continue to win mm -hmm. um, or uh, a Michigan, you know, who I, I don't know what their coaching situation will be like at that point. I'm assuming Harbaugh will be back on the sideline and Michigan looks good. Um, or someone of that, you know, nature and not necessarily having to, you know, play Georgia way across the country, which I think would be a tough, tough scenario. But however it, it, it pans out, you know, I think getting this win would make this program, especially, it, it, let, let me tie this into, you know, with all the stuff that's happening and changing on the landscape of college football. This is the last year of the Pac-12. And unfortunately, mm -hmm. it's been one of the best years of the Pac-12 in a long, long time. And this conference has been a proud conference um, that has 
produced a lot of national champions in all sports, mm -hmm. not just football. And, you know, we've had our success in football. You know, Oregon has been on the national scene for a long time now. And USC has a story, tradition, and history representing the Pac-12, Pac-10, Pac-8 well. And so it's, it's you know, it would be fantastic for us to represent this conference in its final year and be able to go and play in that national playoff and send Pac-12 football out with a bang. I, mm. I, I just think this, this team would be, you know, immortalized almost and revered forever. You know, we still talk about the 1991 national championship team. We yeah. still, to this day, 30 some odd years later, can you imagine how this team would be revered and looked at if they were able to pull something like that off? Yeah. and uh, in the last years of the Pac-12. So I think from that standpoint, it mean a lot. I think, you know, going into the Big Ten, you're going to be recruiting to get some heavyweights, and mm -hmm. you're going to be going into a conference where, frankly, you're going to be slightly at a disadvantage for a while. One, because of all the traveling. You know, mm -hmm. two, because you don't get a full share of the revenue. Uh, and three, you know, there's – you go from having – you know, a really strong conference to a conference that just looks like, oh my God, you know, any given season, you can run into USC, Oregon, yeah. and now Ohio State, Michigan, who knows? Penn State, knows? yeah. Penn State all in one season based on playoffs and conference championships and all of that. So I think you need to come in, you know, at your strongest where your brand is strong, you're recognized around the country, kids are interested in your program from a recruiting standpoint, mm -hmm. um, and you have the panache to kind of come in and compete with the big boys off the field before the season even starts. So I think there's a lot that can be accomplished by winning this football game and getting into that national playoff picture, even if you don't quite win it, but just getting there will do some of these things. Yeah. Unfortunately, and let's talk about the negative, a loss, regardless. So if we lose this football game, we'll have the same record as Oregon. We'll have yeah. one win against them, one loss against them. But I'm here to tell you, and I've said this on the dog, on, I mean, I'm sorry, the uh, Husky Honks multiple times. Washington cannot get into the playoff with a loss on Saturday. Yeah. We absolutely cannot. Oregon, with a win, can get in, even though they have a loss to us. Mm -hmm. And that all boils down to the human factor in all of this. You know, the, the selection committee is made up of a bunch of human beings who have, who can, whose eyes can be tricked by certain things. Let's just say that way. Yeah. They can look at an Oregon. They can hear the hype of the Oregon. They can see Oregon running up scores and doing things, you know, that they've done at the latter half of the season after they lost to us mm -hmm. that has been impressive. And folks will say, well, they're the best team now or one of the best teams now. And if they win the conference championship, they should be in, which might be rightfully so they should be in. But I don't think it should mean that we're not in because I think our resume still stacks up against anybody in the country with a number of wins, including over Oregon. Um, and if we play a tight, tough, close, nail-biting game, which I expect it to be, mm -hmm. nine points seems a little crazy to me, but uh, <laughs> we play that nail-biting game. I think both teams would be deserving, but I'm not here pandering for that because I know it's not going to happen. Right. And so my mind, we just got to go out and beat the Ducks. We just have yeah. to find a way to win, to beat the same team twice in the same season because a loss – uh, would mean that, again, 
not failure by no means. What they've accomplished to this point, no one can take that away from them. They will be the only team ever in the PAC conference history with 12 teams to go through undefeated. It will never happen again because the conference mm-hmm. is done. Uh, they will be the second Husky team in modern Husky football history to complete a season, uh, regular season undefeated. As a matter of fact, going 12-0 and 0 because there's more games now than there were in the past. Yeah. So those things will never be taken away from them. I think we've risen, we've, we've raised our national profile and going into the Big Ten, you know, people know who we are. We made some noise, um, but I think a loss would keep us from ascending to that next level of, you know, resume where kids are all excited. Man, the Huskies called me. You know, the Huskies, and, and not that that doesn't happen already, but there's another level. Let's right. just be real. There's another level to this where kids who are in the Midwest and maybe a kid down south, maybe, you know, multiple kids in Texas and some of the top guys in California who used to only listen to calls from USC might now be super excited about us and what we bring to the table. So I think this could mean a lot for our program. And, you mm-hmm. know, if you win a national championship, let's face it, there's a lot of money associated and affiliated with that, that I'm yeah. sure we can get used. So, um, you know, I, I'm hopeful that we can continue to win, but regardless of what happens on Friday, this team has accomplished things that no other Husky PAC conference team um, has ever accomplished. And those things will never be taken away from them. They'll remember those things forever. You know, I'll liken it to my senior year. Um, the University of Washington, I think, had last been in the Rose Bowl. Ooh, I want to say, eight, what, what was the... Eight, Gosh, maybe 82. I'm trying to remember mm-hmm. when they were last before uh, my my senior year. I think it was 82. And then we made it in 92. We didn't win the national championship that year. We were this close. We were one Greg Lewis partial ACL tear away from winning the national championship in my mind. Um, and we didn't quite accomplish that. But we did go to the Rose Bowl. We did win a conference championship. We did finish fourth in the country, which was the highest we had been ranked since 84. And we did set the, the uh, table for a national championship run the next year because we had raised that profile, put us on the radar. And the rest is, as they say, history. And, you know, there could have been a back-to-back-to-back national championship scenario in that, you know, couple of years with the Huskies. And let's hope that this is the start of a continued run of success um, going from the Pac-10, Pac-12 into the Big Ten Conference and uh, having set the stage for that with this team. I love it, Greg. And, you know, I'm a diehard Husky fan. I grew up going to the games with my dad. I was at that Freedom Bowl where you guys really kind of announced yourselves against uh, Florida. And Mm -hmm. then, therefore, all the games in 90. I was at the Iowa Rose Bowl, the Michigan Rose Bowl, and then the second Michigan Rose Bowl. And, uh, man, you know, I the, earlier this season, me and a group of guys were at the Washington-Oregon game, and uh, there were a couple little boys right in front of us, probably six, seven years old. And uh, both of the little boys had Washington jerseys on. And uh, one of the kids had a, a Penix jersey nice. on. You know, and it's just a reminder that, man, these things, they, they, they run in your blood. Like, you know, it's a a moment like this. If the Huskies win on Friday, 
the the mm -hmm. memories that are made the the relationships that are just forged on a deeper level it's just mm -hmm. such a beautiful thing so obviously you and i were both uh you know going to be bleeding purple on friday we're uh, you know hoping against all hope that we come away with that w but what is your what is your game prediction this will be our final question for the show but what is your game prediction do the dogs have one more magic trick up their sleeve as they go into this final game as nine point underdogs with one more chance to uh to to take down the Oregon Ducks as Pac-12 rivals? You know, you're always going to get from me um, a biased perspective because I can't pull myself out of who I am. Um, and I acknowledge that. But I have to believe that this Husky team has had the ability to play to the level of their opponent, whether that's up or down. Mm -hmm. And if you think about the Oregon game last time, we were coming off a really tough game against Arizona where we didn't blow them out. And it was yeah. an extremely close game. And um, that was the game where Roma Dunsey actually hurt his ribs and had to be driven home. He couldn't even get on a plane. And, you know, he was banged up going into that game. Uh, J-Mac did not play in that game at all. He had yeah. been injured in Michigan State. Um, and so everything wasn't, you know, running on all cylinders then, but we still found a way to win. And people say, oh, well, you're at home. And I love Husky Stadium and I love our fans. You see, I have a picture of it behind yeah. me, the greatest place yeah. in college football. Um, and yes, our home crowd does impact the game to a degree, but that game came down to our ability to execute yeah. and our ability to make the plays when they needed to be made. And I don't expect anything different this for coming Friday. I think that these teams are evenly matched. I think they're, you know, they talk about boxing sometimes, styles make fights. Mm -hmm. And I think the style that these two teams play, you know, sort of complement each other. You know, they love to run the football and, you know, their their running back's ability to break tackles um, has been, you know, troublesome for us, but we've made the tackles when we needed to. I think our wide receiving core has, outdone their defensive backs to some degree over the last two games. And if we can get those guys to rise up for this game, Jalen Polk to get back to who Jalen yeah. Polk making those catches. Rome is Rome. And we know what we're going to get from him. If Jay Mack is healthy as he's going to be all year um, at this point in time and be able to make just two or three plays, you know, two or three yeah. critical catches across the middle. Um, and Michael Penix for one more shiny moment, looks like the Michael Penix that we've had, for two years that we are going to absolutely miss yes. once he's gone that they have enough in them mm -hmm. on Friday to make those plays. And our defense has shown you that they're a better defense than they were the last time you see two teams played yeah. and our ability to run the ball uh, is, is, is definitely improved. Just the confidence in it and the willingness to do it, I yeah. guess is more uh, what I'd say, because the ability was always there. So I think there's some things for us to lean into to say that the Huskies can definitely win this game on Friday. All right. I am with you. Husky fans, let's get hyped. Let's stick out our chest. Mm -hmm. We're 12-0. and 0. Uh, We are the big bad dogs on the block. Don't forget it. We've got this. 
for all my Husky fans out there, thank you to Greg Lewis and go dogs. Go do- hey, you said it best. Go dogs. All right. I'll we'll catch you guys it. next time. All right. Husky Nation, it's the end of the third quarter. Are you looking for the perfect tequila for your next get together? The answer is born from a hero. Hero de Leon, direct from the prestigious Murguia family just outside Guadalajara, honoring their great grandfather who saved Mexico from a horrible civil war. It's authentic, courageous, with great integrity, just like the general. Enjoy the smoothest Blanco tequila you've ever tasted or the rich flavor of our Reposado, aged for seven months in American bourbon barrels. Or the ultimate tequila, our Añejo, which is aged for 18 months in the same bourbon oak barrels. Go to your favorite liquor retailer or restaurant and ask for Hero de Leon because it's always the end of the third quarter. Imported by Zombie Beverages, Mercer Island, Washington.